I want to... I'm going to preach in a little different way today. I want us to start off with once upon a time. In a faraway land. There was a nation, maybe you've read about this nation. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll see some similarities, some patterns that happens not just to one nation, but any nation. Maybe all nations. This nation is a nation that uh, once upon a time that knew God's blessings. It knew God's favor. It was a nation that wasn't perfect. It had a checkered past for sure. And yet God kept his watchful eye upon this people and, and protected them. Yes, they would go through cycles of doing better than other times. Kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? And we've find times of refreshings. This people also found times of refreshing. But as time went on, then generations uh, would evolve. And finally, there was a groundswell feeling as some of these uh, younger generations looked around and said, we've noticed other nations and we want to be just like them. So they started clamoring and uh, went to, to the fathers and the leaders of the land and, and to God himself and said, we want to be like all other nations. We want a king. And God would speak to this people through preachers, and, uh, but the people were adamant. We want to be like everybody else. God continued to bless them and he honored their request yet with the caveat of warning that what could happen when you start focusing more now upon a person instead of God? And once upon a time, of course, then these people, they finally got their wish and God honored that and allowed them to have a king. And this king was, a, was an incredible person and had admirable qualities uh, had uh, just some distinction about him. And just uh, when people would see, so we're proud to have this person as our king. Uh, when we compare now, because that's what we do with other nations, our king is head and shoulders above them. We, we're very proud of who we have as our leader. And even though this leader had um, admirable qualities and distinctions, this leader was flawed. This leader uh, very, very much lacked in character, and in time it would show. Well, by now you probably are putting two and two together, and this nation was Israel. And Israel uh, received their first king, and his name was Saul, for those of you that might not know much Bible at all. And Saul, again, was a, 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 an individual that had, again, qualities that you would think you want in a in a, in a leader. As time would go on, we would read the stories of what these people went through uh, where because of lack of wisdom and, again, lack of character, Saul would lead them down the wrong road. And it, it led up to finally Saul dying in battle. We realized that for him, he not only was king, but he was commander-in-chief. And at a place called Mount Gilboa, he would lose his life along with three of his sons. 
Jonathan is one that those of you that know Bible was very close to the next king, David. They were inseparable. They were like brothers. Abinadab and Malkishua, the other two sons of Saul that would die that day. Among all the slain the next day, the Philistines, enjoying their great rout of victory, discovered the bodies of the king and his sons. They beheaded the body of King Saul and took his armor and would take it into their shrines. But the bodies were taken to a place called Bethshan. And in Bethshan, they would literally hang the bodies on the outside of the walls so that people could come by and smell the stench and just gloat over the great victory that had been won. It is from there that some men from Jabesh Gilead realized what was going on and came and took these bodies down and burned the bodies, cremated them, and took the bones back to Jabesh and properly uh, honored those bones. And they would fast seven days. Well, finally, the news came to David, who would become the next king of Israel. David, of course, knew Saul extremely well and dearly loved Jonathan, the son of Saul. When David got news of this, he did what their tradition would call upon. He tore his clothes and he lamented and wept sincerely. He fasted for the rest of the day. But it is what he did beyond that. There's much more to the story. But I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Samuel. You'll find that, of course, in the reading of 1 Samuel at the end of that and then on into 2 Samuel, we find that in 2 Samuel, David makes a comment, and I, I need to share this with you. In verse 17, it says, And David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son, and he said it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashar. And he begins to share what was, what's recorded there. Now, the book of Jashar is not in our Bibles. It is in the apocryphal books. But the thing that needs to be noticed here is exactly what David was doing, now having a voice for the people. And he spoke to the people and he said, we're not to forget this. It's recorded and let it be known to each generation of what has happened, that we cannot ill afford to forget what has happened. You'll see where I'm going in just a moment as we now turn to 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 25 through 27. As he's finishing, he says, Oh, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. What a, what a statement. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war have perished. Thank you for standing without being asked. You may be seated. I'm going to read another portion in just a moment. 
But already we're, we're hearing this expression, what can happen in a band of brothers? What can happen among people of a nation? The bond here, this statement, it's not an improper statement at all. The love that he had for this man was greater than a love that he knew for women. In other words, the bond that they had, the admiration that they had, the respect that they had for each other, that you'll never be forgotten in my lifetime. And again, we understand that Saul as well has, has died. And we find here in this that for those of you that may not know much about Saul and his flawed character. He was extremely narcissistic and extremely jealous. And as David began to reveal the favor of God that had been placed upon his life, Saul just absolutely was so jealous he wanted to exterminate him, is the best word, and gave, had multiple opportunities and tried his best to kill David. Each time, David was able to either remove himself from the impending doom, or he just outwitted Saul. But he would survive every situation. And can you imagine now the feelings that David would have for Saul? If you had been wounded, if you had been injured, if you had been uh, uh, removed from the favor given to you, you might have some strong feelings of hatred. And yet, we know now, as David had opportunities that he could have killed Saul, he never did it. And now, in his death, he's telling the people how the mighty have fallen. We don't find recorded here, oh, and by the way, I need to give P.S. of just what a scoundrel he was. And you see, all the, regardless of the weaknesses of the man, regardless of the frailties, Beyond personal feelings, he knew that he had to honor this leader. Well, there was a changing of the guard. If you want to stand as we read the remainder today, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And after this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up, David said, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there and his two wives also, Amenohab, uh, 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 excuse me, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, every one with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And when they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you show this loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. And I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strong and be valiant. For Saul, your Lord, is dead and the house of Judah has anointed me king of over them. You may be seated. There is so much here, so much here that America needs to pay attention to. We hear so much about a cancel culture. We hear so much about we need to eliminate this and this and this, and we need to remove that from our textbooks. 
We need to rewrite history. Now, some may say, Pastor, you're getting real political today, and maybe I am. But I'm being biblical more than anything else. The things that God is teaching us through other people, you see, once upon a time can happen again and again. You see, we find here the beginning of David's dynasty. He's already been appointed king-elect while Saul was alive. However, now after Saul's death, he is instructed the Lord to go to Hebron. It is there you'll notice that he is pronounced king, but not over all of Judah, just the segment. For seven and a half years, he would serve there. Later on, another son of Saul who had been empowered would be removed as well, and David then would become king of all of Judah and move into Jerusalem. But look what God is teaching David and what he is teaching the people. And what he's reminding us of is we cannot forget. And in the past, there have always been failures, always been mistakes. But it is this thing about remembering, and it is this thing about honoring. Here we are on another weekend with a lot of festivities, and thank God for fun that we've been privileged to receive. But it came with a price, tremendous price. We can't ever get to the place where we don't remember. And beyond remembering, we have to go beyond remembering and honor. But we have to go one more step. And this is why it's so significant what David, when he found out what these men had done and honored the bodies of King Saul and his sons and properly cremated them, properly buried those bones. He rewarded them. And in that, it teaches us also of being thankful. We can remember things and at times honor, but do we share gratefulness in our hearts? And are we truly thankful? Wow. Now, if I had another hour to preach, this is where I'd really open up and preach. But the hot dogs will call upon us before long. <laughs> what I want to instill in us today is there's a culture spinning around us saying we want to be like everybody else. But we need to remember who we are. And we need to remember in the midst of all the chaos and all the confusion and all the winds of change, there is a God who never changes. And he will honor his people that honor him. You see, you can take this message, which is a corporate message to us today, but it breaks down to the individuals as well. Because when we're placed in a situation like a David was, you say, well, I'm not a king or a king-elect, but as an individual, there's opportunities to, again, express genuine love as we remember and we honor but again, to be thankful. You see, it takes us now into our journey with our God. And what happens as we learn the secret of thankfulness? And I'm going to close with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I think many of us that's memorized any scripture knows it. If not by text, as soon as I start reciting it, then you would finish with me. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
And then what happens? And all these other things shall be added to you. We go to Luke chapter 6, and it teaches us charity, even in the point of thanksgiving. And it says with that, when we give, it shall be given back. How? With the same measure. In other words, I'm finishing today with some math that we find in the Word of God. Doing these things, remembering is honorable. Honoring is honorable and needed and necessary. But the thankfulness part is where multiplication comes in. When Jesus had before him a day of gathering, a great gathering, his disciples came up and said, we didn't expect such a big crowd and all the McDonald's are closed. <laughs> KFC's not even been invented yet. How are we going to feed all these people? And Jesus uh, was awarded with a little boy's lunch, enough for one. And now he had some fifteen or 20,000 people to feed. What did he do? He took that bread and he lifted it and he gave thanks for it. And in that motion, it multiplied that boy's lunch and fed all of them to where they had 12 baskets of fragments over and above everybody being satisfied. There are other examples of multiplication, but it always comes back to thanksgiving. Would you stand with me today?